0: Um, what do angels actually do? You know, I'm sure that people have wondered that. You know, we know uh, that God uh, is on the throne. We know Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We know what Jesus is doing. He's making intercession for us. He's preparing a place for us. We know that. We know that God is hearing and answering our prayers. Christ, he said, ask that you uh, may receive that your joy would be full. We know what Jesus is doing. We know what God is doing. Uh, We know that the Holy Spirit is living within us. We know that he's our comforter. We know that he's our guide. We know that he empowers us. Uh, Many, many things the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us all things. So we know what the Holy Spirit is doing. But the question I wanna ask today and answer for you is what are angels actually doing? And today I'm gonna give you nine things from scripture that angels are doing for you. And um, I'm telling you, you should be very thankful for angelic assistance, very thankful. Um, I'm sure that many of you may have a testimony like I do and that others do where God spared your life at some point in your life, protected you from uh, harm, danger, death, and um, you're still here and alive today because angels were working on your behalf. And I'm sure, and by the way, I'm interested to see um, who has a testimony like that. Put your hand up in the comments that uh, God supernaturally speared your life, whether it be a car wreck that should have killed you or an accident that took place that uh, God looked out for you, watched out for you. Maybe your children, a family member. Um, we've got many testimonies like that in our own personal life. And um, I'm thankful that God's watching over us, uh, taking care of us, protecting us. Look at all those hands going up. A lot of people have testimonies of God's goodness. Look at that. And that's what God does. He's taking care of his children. And so I want to um, give you these nine things in the time that we have, give you a better understanding of what angels are doing, what God has them assigned to do um, for the body of Christ, for the children of God. And so um, let's start with what I believe should be the uh, baseline passage. And I think we've actually read this almost every day this week, but we've not dealt with this subject. But let's go back again to uh, Hebrews chapter one, if you have your Bible. And I thank uh, those of you that are putting these references in the comments because people continually ask, what verse was that? What passage was that? What chapter was that? And so for those of you that are helping me out if you put it in YouTube and Facebook um, in the comments, every time we go to a different passage of scripture, that would be very helpful to those that are watching now and those that are coming on to, to see it later. So let's look at this. It's Hebrews chapter one. And um, let's read these two verses that that close the first chapter of Hebrews. That's 13 and 14. So Hebrews one, uh, 13 and 14. And here's our, our main thought or text for this teaching today. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So notice this uh, regarding angels. Notice what the Bible says about them. Are they not all ministering spirits? So the first thing I want you to put in the comments today before we get into the nine is number one, and don't put number one because people will confuse and think that we've already started in the nine, but I want you to write this in the comments. Angels are ministering spirits. Write that in. Angels are ministering spirits that are sent out. What are they doing? They're serving for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Well, if you've inherited salvation, then they're working on your behalf. They're working on your behalf and they are ministering spirits. Angels are ministering spirits. That's what the Bible says about them. And so we're gonna get into this and we'll go through the scripture and see nine things that they're doing uh, for you or on your behalf since they are ministering spirits uh, for those that have inherited. You have an inheritance in salvation. And so what are these angels doing? Well, let's get into the list. Number one, the first thing I want you to see that we can see that they do in scripture is that angels help to strengthen your purpose. They did for Jesus. They did for Jesus. Matthew chapter four. I want you to go there with me. Number one, angels help to strengthen your purpose. Matthew chapter four. Let me read you verses 10 and 11, Matthew chapter four, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says this, then Jesus said to Satan, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. And the 11th verse says, and the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering him. Now this is the end of Jesus 40 days of fasting and prayer. It's the end of his temptation by the devil. He's going through for his flesh and his spirit, a challenge. But notice that after he comes through this challenge, after he comes through this deception, this attack, and after he comes through fasting and prayer, what takes place? Angels come and minister to Jesus. Angels come and minister to Jesus. He's in the midst of fulfilling his purpose and they come and minister to him as he is in a place of probably, um, you know, a place where he needs to be resting. Now he's uh, fought, fought, off the attack of the devil. He's gone through 40 days of fasting and prayer. And now that he's completed, notice this, a ministering from the angels, Luke chapter 22, look at this, Luke chapter 22, this is in the midst of, Uh, of the garden right before Jesus' crucifixion. Luke 22, I'm gonna read you verses 41 through 43. The Bible says, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Praying a prayer of consecration. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Look at that in the, in the natural realm, in the natural realm, Christ in his flesh did not want to go to the cross, but he knew it was his purpose. He knew it. He said, I don't Lord, if there's any other way other than me being tortured and killed, then let this cup pass from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And the Bible says that an angel came and began to minister to him and strengthened him. In what? In his purpose. He had a redemptive purpose to fulfill on his life. And the Bible says, and this angel came and ministered to him and strengthened him. Now, there might be those that say, well, you know, we don't need angels. We've got the Holy Ghost. I would remind you though, that Jesus also had the Holy Ghost. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, according to scripture. And so this is something that angels did on his behalf for for his own purpose. Came, ministered to him and strengthened him in a moment when his flesh was under attack. In the moment where he was feeling the weight and the, uh, the heaviness of his purpose, Yes, he had the Holy Spirit. He was filled to overflowing. He'd already raised the dead. He'd already cast out devils. He'd already opened the eyes of the blind. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, but still there's a purpose for angels here. And the angel comes to strengthen him in the midst of his purpose. And so as you're writing these down, number one, angels strengthen you in the midst of your purpose. That's number one. Number two, angels carry out God's plans. I want you to see that with me. Angels carry out God's plans with the exception, one plan that they don't carry out, with the exception of the preaching of the gospel. You don't have to put that in, but I'm just teaching you that today. Angels carry out God's plans, with the exception of the preaching of the gospel. That is the plan of God that we carry out as Christians. The great commission, the great commission is not given to angels. It's given to Christians. It's given to those in the body of Christ. So let me just say as a caveat here, you can't sit back and say, well, if I don't get around to preaching the gospel, God will send some angels to do it. Nope. Angels don't preach the gospel. Angels don't preach the gospel. They carry out God's plans, but they don't preach the gospel. And it's an interesting point before I, before I read you these, because if we go over to the book of Acts, I find this interesting that, uh, the Bible says that, um, there was the first household of, of Gentiles that were getting ready to receive the gospel. And Peter was going to be the one who preached the gospel to these Gentiles Cornelius' household uh, there. And the Bible says, um, I'll just start with verse number one in Acts chapter 10. Look at this. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, He saw clearly in a vision, what? An angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel had spoken, departed, they called their servants and sent them to get Peter. You know, what was the point? Well, at the same time, God is giving Peter a vision, right? The sheet that lowers down from heaven, filled with unclean animals. And God says, kill and eat. And Peter says, never, Lord, I won't eat anything unclean. What does God say? Don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And it wasn't just about these animals. He was making a point because Peter was going to preach to the Gentiles the those that others called unclean God was saying no no I want them to have the gospel too I want them to come into the kingdom as well this is why Peter remarks in Acts 10 34 after Cornelius and his whole household get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost Peter realizes he says oh now I can see that God is no respecter of persons so here's the question I would ask you in regards to this story Cornelius encountered an angel and he needed to be saved and so did his household. So here's the question, why didn't the angel just preach the gospel to Cornelius and his house? He was already there, he knew the gospel. Why did the angel not just preach the gospel to Cornelius and his household? Because angels don't preach the gospel. He told him where to go to get the gospel, but he didn't preach the gospel to him. Because although angels carry out God's plans, they don't preach the gospel. So we can't sit back and say, well, if I don't get around to it, you know, God will send an angel and the angel preach. I've heard people say that. Well, there's places in the world that, you know, men were not able to get to with the gospel message, but I'm sure God send an angel to preach to them. No, angels don't preach the gospel to people. They carry out God's plans, but Christians preach the gospel. I want you to go with me and see this. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, and I'm going to read you verses 20 and 21. Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word bless the Lord all his hosts his ministers who do his will you see that describing angels bless the Lord you angels mighty ones who do his word obeying the voice of his word bless the Lord his hosts ministers who do his will who do his will so you can clearly see angels are listening for the word of God and they're obeying the plan of God. Listen to Psalm thirty-five, twenty-seven, Because this is an interesting one to me. Let those who delight in, and I'm just going to give you this food for thought. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servants. Hmm, he delights in the welfare of his servants. So if that's his will, delighting in the welfare of his servants, would angels not go and get those things done for God? If it's his will, if it's his word, he delights in what? The welfare of his servants. Are you his servant today? Yes, you are. And if you are, does God delight in your welfare, your prosperity, your well-doing? He absolutely does. The Bible says so. And if his angels are doing his will, doing his word, are they not somehow engaged in the welfare of the body of Christ? You better believe they are. You better believe they are. They are engaged in the welfare of the body of Christ. So number two, angels carry out God's plans. Many of those plans, if not all of them, affect the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Affect the body of Christ. Number three, Angels are fighting on behalf of God's people. I want you to see that. Angels are fighting on behalf of God's people. Second Kings chapter six, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, the Bible says that there is uh, an evil king, hey Amy, that wants to destroy Israel, but unfortunately he can't. Because every time he tries to destroy Israel, the Bible says God allows Elisha the prophet to hear his plans and warn Israel, and then their plans fail every time. And it's so specific. I mean, he he hears their plans in such a specific way that the king is sure that there's a traitor in his camp. He's sure that there's a traitor among his inner circle. And they tell him, and by the way, this is 2 Kings chapter six, verses eight through 18. 2 Kings six, verses eight through 18. The king is so sure that there's a, a traitor on the inside of his inner circle. And they're like, no, none of us is a traitor. Don't you understand, O king, that they have a prophet And the prophet hears what you say, even the things you say in your bed chamber. He says, oh, so now he gets it. He says, all right, I understand. So if we're going to destroy Israel, we first have to destroy the prophet that is telling my plans to Israel. We first have to destroy the prophet that is telling my plans to Israel. So what does he do? He finds out that Elisha and his servant are in a place called Dothan. And so he sends an entire battalion of soldiers there to kill the prophet and his servant. And the Bible says that um, Elisha's servant, which was Gehazi, if you read the Bible, goes out early in the morning, that's verse 15, and sees the army with the horses and the chariots and everybody surrounding the city starts freaking out. Lord, my, my, my Lord, my master, we're going to die. What are we going to do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There are more with us, glory to God, than there are with them. (laughs) Let me say that again. There are more with us than there are with them. There are more with us than there are with them. That was the encouraging word. Then he prayed a prayer and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says, The Lord opened his eyes, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Glory to God. And the the servant got the revelation. Hold on a second. We're not by ourselves here. There's a, a full angelic army that is here surrounding our enemies. Glory to God. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. There's more with us than there are with them there's more with us than there are with them and that's angelic assistance angels fighting on behalf of god's people i mean i could go through the bible on that one and talk about all of the times that god sent an angel to fight on behalf of god's people you know you think about that story in second kings 19 so powerful that the the you know, city of Judah surrounded by the Syrian army headed up by King Sennacherib who starts to mock God and mock God's power. And King Hezekiah prays and praises God. God didn't even have to send an army of angels in that one. He just sent one angel. Hallelujah. He just sent one angel. The Bible says when that one angel came in the night, he killed 100 and 85,000 enemy soldiers. Get that, one angel in the night killed 185,000 enemy soldiers. And they woke up the next morning, God's people looked out and all they saw was corpses. They saw corpses all over the ground, 2 Kings 19. Why? Because God sent one angel to fight their battles. And so number three, angels are fighting on behalf of God's people. Glory to God. It's not just something that we see. Katerina, good to have you. This is not just something we see in the Old Testament. We saw angelic assistance all through the New Testament that God sent angels for his people. Um, number four, as you know, he's not just fighting for us, but according to Psalm 91, Psalm 91, angels are protecting God's children. That's number four. Angels are protecting God's children. Get that. Put it in the comments. Put it in your notes. Number four, angels protect us. Angels protect us. Bible says so. And we can see it. I mean, it's not just that the Bible says so, but it's also uh, something we can see happening in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, Peter, most likely the Apostle Peter, was going to be executed as a, a political PR move to please the Jews even further. That was the whole plan. That um, <laughs> and which Which I'll talk about later, but You know, the whole plan was they killed a Christian the day before. Let's get a more prominent Christian. Let's get Peter. But what happened? An angel came in the night. An angel came in the night and did what? Protected him. Protected him so that he didn't die. Angels protect God's people. The angel of the Lord protects God's people. So, I mean, we read this in Psalm 91, verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he will command his angels concerning you. What will they do? To guard you in all of your ways. So angels have been commanded by God to guard his people. Amen. Um. Timika said I heard two pastors say thank your angels for your thank you angels for your help is that okay to do Pastor Ted um, I really don't direct any of my prayers or thanksgiving toward angels. My prayers and my thanksgiving are directed to God to Christ and so I personally I don't um, you know I don't see uh, Christians in the I don't see Christians in the New Testament. Uh, doing that. I don't see uh, followers of God in the Old Testament doing that. And so I don't really, I wouldn't direct necessarily my thanksgiving. Why do I say that? Because the reason I say that is because in the, uh, whether it's the Old or the New um, Testament, you you see that God is a jealous God. He doesn't share his thanksgiving. He doesn't share his praise. He doesn't share his worship. And uh, that's why anytime you see somebody in the Old or New Testament, uh, if they mistakenly bowed down to worship an angel, what would the angel say? Get up, don't worship us, worship only God. Don't worship us, worship only God. Don't worship, That why? Because angels are not supposed to receive worship, praise or thanksgiving, it's not theirs. It belongs to God. And so I would direct your thanksgiving, why? He's the one directing the angels. He's the one directing the angels. And so I would not by any means um, give any of my worship praise. That's the way in my opinion, that's the way that I know when I read about the story of Joshua, when he encounters the commander of the Lord's army in the book of Joshua, when he encounters the commander of the Lord's army and he says, are you with us or are you against us? And he said, neither, but I have come and he's standing there and then Joshua recognizes what's going on and he bows down low to worship him. Notice that individual does not reject his worship. That individual does not reject his praise or his thanks. It Doesn't at all, which shows you, it was a, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. He received the worship, he received the praise. It was not just an angel. It was the commander of the Lord's armies. That's Jesus. Jesus is the commander of the Lord's armies. And so um, I would say to that question, no, I would not direct my thanksgiving or praise to angels, but I would thank God for sending angels to protect me. I would thank Jesus for sending ministering spirits to do what they are called to do and what they are assigned to do. Because they are protecting God's children. Number five, let me give you this. I hope that's making sense. I mean, I say that, uh, hopefully that makes more sense to you, Tamika, now that I've explained it. Um, You know, I know this stuff's not taught a lot, uh, properly anyway, and I know it's not taught in churches. So um, it's good to understand it because you can, let me tell you, you can get into Uh, some weird stuff when it comes to angels, demons uh, spiritual warfare deliverance we're seeing it all over TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, you can get in some weird stuff pretty quickly uh, when you're talking about supernatural beings and spiritual warfare and all of that but it helps to understand what the Bible says about it obviously Um, number five um, this was an Old Testament this was more of an Old Testament Purpose of angels, but they delivered messages from God, which really um, is not needed in the New Testament, and I'll talk about that too. But number five, in the Old Testament, angels were used as messengers to deliver those messages from God to His people. Angels delivered messages from God to His people, and here. Um, You know, you can look through the Old Testament. You know that's true, uh, that an angel would come with a message from God. Um, But as you know, as we move to the New Testament, why why would angels not do that anymore? Um, Except for a few rare cases in the New Testament. Why? One of the reasons is because in the New Testament, uh, Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, which means the Lord can speak to us directly can speak to us directly, does not need an angel to speak to us. And I think that's where some people get into problems because you know, they're, they're waiting, they're asking God, send an angel to speak to me. I wanna see angels, I want angels to speak to me. You've got the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you. You don't need angels to speak to you. You've got the Holy Ghost who lives in you and he speaks to you. He speaks to you, teaches you all things, leads you and guides you into all truth. He's your comforter. Amen. So you don't need angels in the New Testament to speak to you. And in these few rare occurrences that we do see angels giving messages, or where are some of those examples? Well, what about after Jesus was resurrected, right? Nobody was filled with the Holy Ghost yet. And so they come to the tomb. And what does the Bible say? There's an angel that's there. Why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Well, that's a message that Christ is alive. But there was no Holy Ghost in filling them yet, and so the angel gave them the message. How about when Jesus ascended into heaven? Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? That's a message from an angel. This same Jesus that you saw go is coming back again in like manner, message from an angel. What about the one I just read you in Acts chapter 10? Cornelius not only was not saved, he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he needed an angel to give him a message about where to find Peter, right? And so there were some rare exceptions in the New Testament uh, before the day of Pentecost and after, just a few after the day of Pentecost where angels delivered a message. But for believers, we rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on the voice of the Lord, amen. And so number five, angels deliver messages from God. Majority of that's in the Old Testament, a few in the New. Number six, um, angels. What is, a, what is a sixth purpose of angels? They are created, called, and purposed to worship God. Created, called, and purposed to worship God. Go with me to a Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five, verses 11 and 12. This is actually, if you wanted to know, if you didn't know, This is the passage of scripture we used to develop our confession for Miracle Word kids. The posters that we made for your kids' walls and what we say every night before bed, we took it from this passage, Revelation 5, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Now here's what the angels were saying. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Notice that. What are they doing? Keep on going. Verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and all of them saying, To him who sits on the throne and the lamb, uh, be, bl- be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And all four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. Notice what's happening here. All of their worship is being directed toward the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Angels are created to worship God. Angels are created to ascribe unto Him glory, honor, blessing, and there's angels literally that are just circling the throne, just nonstop worshiping the Most High God, the only true and living God. And their purpose is to worship God. And there's a certain, think about how powerful this is. There's a certain group of angels that that is literally all they do. They don't do anything else. They are set aside for the purpose of worshiping God. I mean, God has a host of angels in heaven. He's got ministering spirits there, what the Bible calls them, heaven's armies. So he's got angels that he can send to fight, angels that are sent to protect, angels that are there worshiping him. But think about that. There's a group of angels that all they do is circle the throne and worship God because, get this, he is so great and so mighty that there is not a time that he cannot be worshiped. He's so great, he demands worship. Not that he's personally demanding it, his greatness demands worship. That's why the Bible says that if we wouldn't praise him, the rocks would cry out, the trees, well, the, nature would start praising him. Why? because he's so great that his greatness demands worship. His greatness demands praise. The psalmist recorded this as an instruction for God's people in Psalm 150. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Glory to God. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. He's great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like our God. There's no other God. He's high and lifted up. There's nobody around him, nobody above him, nobody beside him, nobody's on his level. And so his greatness demands worship and it demands praise. And there are angels that are specifically set aside just for that purpose. Hallelujah. What else? Number seven, angels, can be sent by God to answer prayers. Now we don't pray to angels. We don't ask. There's nowhere in the Bible where we we see a, an example of Jesus praying to angels or the apostles praying to angels or the Christians or the church praying to angels. We're not called to pray to angels. We pray to God. The Bible tells us in Second Peter, or excuse me, First Peter, chapter three, um, that it is. Uh, God whose ears <clears throat> are open to our prayers, right? First um, Peter chapter three and verse 12, <clears throat> the Bible says this, sorry, I just went past it. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, "The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. His ears. So it's not that we pray to angels, we do not. They do not receive our prayers. God does but he can send angels if he wants to, to answer the prayers that we've prayed to him. Because why? They are ministering spirits. They're ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister on behalf of those who've inherited salvation. So let's look at this real quickly. Angels can be sent by God, Old Testament and New Testament to answer prayer. Look at this now, let's go first to Daniel chapter 10 Daniel chapter 10, and see here that an angel answered Daniel's prayer. Daniel chapter 10, and uh, let's look at verse number 12. Daniel 10, 12, then he said to me, fear not Daniel, for, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. Notice this. God heard your words, not the angels. It's not the angels responding to Daniel. It's God responding to Daniel. He said, God heard your words and I have come because of your words. So God sent this angel to Daniel as an answer to his prayer because of his words, but notice came to answer the prayer. And so here's a New Testament or an Old Testament example, and there are many, where angels are sent in response to prayer. But let's go to the New Testament. Is this something that takes place in the New Testament? Well, yes. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. Let me show you something here, powerful story uh, that you, I'm sure, know. <clears throat> uh, Peter. Now, look at, let's start with verse 5, Acts 12, 5. This is New Testament context here, angels answering prayers in the New Testament. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So Peter's arrested, Peter's in prison, and now the church starts praying and the church starts praying for Peter. Verse six, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly, chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals and he did. He said, follow me, wrap your cloak around you, follow me. And he went out and followed him and did not know what was being done by the angel was real, thought it was a dream or a vision. And when they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. And Peter uh, came to himself, he said, I'm sure the Lord has sent an angel to rescue me from the hand of Herod and, the Jewish and, and uh, all that the Jewish people were expecting." goes back to the church where they're praying in the house, they don't even believe it's him. (laughs) Seriously, it's probably Peter's angel. No, it's Peter. Because your prayers, God answered them by sending an angel to set Peter free from captivity. And so here's another uh, example where angels are sent, in this case, one angel sent to answer prayers that were being prayed. Maybe you were praying. Uh, for your children, maybe you've been praying for your family members, your loved ones, and God sent angels to protect them and watch out for them. I know that's happened in my life. If you ever heard the story of when I was in uh, Bible school and um, working that overnight shift, and earlier in the day, my father had had a vision of me getting into a car accident and began to pray immediately. He began to pray, ask God to protect me, and then uh, that night, I did fall asleep at the wheel and went off through two lanes of oncoming traffic, through a restaurant parking lot, over parking things and into a warehouse. I mean, could have, if I'd have hit anything, didn't even have a seatbelt on, I'd have been dead. Wouldn't be here teaching you today. But my father prayed and God answered the prayer. I believe God sent angels to protect me, to watch over me, I never hit one oncoming car. I never hit one pedestrian. I didn't hit one parked car. Didn't hit a telephone pole. Didn't hit a a building, a wall. Didn't hit anything. In fact, I woke up with not a scratch on me. Shaken, but not a scratch on me. Why? I was protected. My belief, God sent angels to protect me after my father prayed and asked the Lord to uh, watch over me when he saw what was getting ready to happen by the Spirit. And so angels can answer Prayers that are prayed by Christians and we see it in in the uh, in the Word of God. Now here's here's two two more I want to give you before we pray. Number one, angels can carry out God's judgment. Angels can carry out God's judgment on on the wicked. And I want you to see it put it in the comments. Number eight angels carry out God's judgment. And I'm going to show it to you in Acts chapter 12. We're already here. So let's stay here. Acts chapter 12, angels carry out God's judgment on the wicked. And I'm going to read you this passage here from starting with verse 20, Acts 12 and verse 20. This is serious, man. Very serious. Um, God has authority. This is a question came in from, uh, Aaron. She said, does God need the prayers of the saints in order to release angels? Um, God, as we just saw a moment ago, does release or can release angels because of the prayers of the righteous, but God has full control and autonomy over his angels. He can send them to do what he wants to do. He can send them to do what he wants to do. God has a prophetic plan in the earth that's already at work and it's going to come to pass no matter what people, whether people like it or not, it's going to come to pass. You can't stop God's prophetic plan. You can't. No devil can stop it. No demon, no antichrist person, nor can a lackadaisical church stop God's prophetic plan. It will come to pass no matter what. So God has autonomy, God has full rule over his angels, and he can do as he pleases with his own angels. But God does answer our prayers at the same time. So Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 20. Now, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people, look at this, were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. The voice of a God and not a man. They called him God. And the Bible says, look at this, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Hallelujah. Took God's glory. He took God's glory. Catch that. He took God's glory and an angel of the Lord executed judgment. On this wicked man. Hmm. Notice, this is the same wicked man that had plans for Peter to execute him, take him out. Notice the Bible says, verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from who? The hand of Herod, the same one who took God's glory. And this man did not give the glory to God, took it for himself as the people were worshiping him like he was God. He took it and an angel of the Lord struck him down because only God gets the glory. And he was eaten by worms. They were executing judgment, righteous judgment on this wicked man. There's a difference by the way between an unbeliever and a wicked person. And I do wanna make that distinction. There is a difference between an unbeliever and a wicked person. Probably the easiest place to see this um, example in the New Testament is the very next chapter of Acts chapter 13, because Paul begins to preach to uh, Sergius Paulus, who's the governor, who needs Jesus. He needs the gospel. He wants to hear the gospel. But at the same time, there's a magician, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who is uh, speaking into the governor's ear and trying to deceive him. Don't listen to this preacher. He's trying to deceive you. And the Bible's giving us a picture here. Believer, unbeliever, wicked person. Paul's the believer. Sergius Paulus, the unbeliever. Bar-Jesus, or Alemus the sorcerer, that... Uh, is trying his best to deceive the governor from hearing the gospel. How does Paul deal with it? Deals with it very differently. Preaches the gospel to the unbeliever and rebukes and curses the wicked person. And judgment falls. I command you to be blind from this day. Paul said that. That's New Testament. <laughs> I command you to be blind and have to be led around by the hand from this day. And it happened immediately. Judgment was executed He didn't didn't enact judgment on uh, Sergius Paulus. He needed the gospel. He needed Christ. The wicked person knows that he's acting against Christ and acting against God. And I mean those that are truly uh, acting and working against the plans of God. They know what they're doing. But then, of course, there are those that are considered unbelievers, those that need the gospel. It's not the same. And then finally, let me give you number nine. Very interesting. They assist in establishing God's systems. And I'm going to read you a few systems here. I want you to get this. They assist in establishing God's systems. Number one, creation. According to Job 38, chapter uh, 38, verses four through seven, angels assisted in God's creation. Let me read it to you. Job chapter 38, verses four through seven. Listen to this. Job 38, 4 through 7. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its bases, or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Number two, giving giving the law of Moses, the giving of the law of Moses, Acts chapter seven. Listen to this, Acts chapter seven, verse 53. What does the Bible say regarding the giving of the law of Moses? It says, "Um, which which of the prophets, this is verse 52, did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you've now betrayed and murdered you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So they helped deliver the law to God's people. Angels announced Christ's birth. They're announcing Christ's return. They're carrying out, they will carry out tribulation punishments. If you read Revelation chapter eight, angels will carry out tribulation punishments. Revelation 20, angels will bind Satan. Revelation 21, they'll measure the new Jerusalem. So angels are there as workers to establish God's systems and to carry out his uh, plans and systems in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth as they bind Satan and his minions as well. Angels are ministering spirits. And I know there's people today that are literally believing for miracles. I know every time we get on, there's people that put prayer requests constantly. And I'm going to ask God today, to touch you, however he chooses to do that. He may send angels to protect you. He may send angels to answer your prayers as he's done in these passages I read you today. It doesn't matter how God does it. But one thing we need to understand is we're not doing this by ourselves. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit seals our salvation. We are full to overflowing with the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, not just that, not just that but we have angelic assistance wherever we go ministering to us strengthening us in our purpose um not only that strengthening us in our call as he did for jesus carrying out god's plans in our lives answering our our prayers in our lives protecting us i mean i'm so thankful i mean i wouldn't even hear i wouldn't even be here to talk to you today if I had not been supernaturally protected multiple times throughout my life by the presence and power of God. And so I wanna take the end of this broadcast to pray for you. I see people are already writing it in. I need healing, I need a touch in my body, I need miracles. I wanna pray that God would touch you today and that however he chooses to do it, he may send angelic assistance. The Holy Ghost may touch you right now. Jesus laying his hand upon you. However God does it, we'll receive answers to our prayers. We are not gonna finish this year in weakness. We're not gonna finish this year in defeat. We're not gonna finish this year in a decrease or in diminishing. We're gonna finish this year, as we've been declaring, in divine possession. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone. In Jesus' mighty name. And so, Father, I pray for your precious people today. Lord, for those that are writing in with prayer requests, those that are believing you for a touch from heaven, I pray that today would be their day. I ask you to open up heaven over their house. I pray, Lord, that you would touch them by your mighty right hand. Lord, if they need a healing in their body, let that healing virtue come, the mighty power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection power, touch their body today, we ask you, Lord, and take all the glory for what you do in their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask you as well, by the power of your spirit to not only protect them, but protect their children and their grandchildren from harm and danger. I pray that you'd watch over them by your power. I thank you that a hedge of protection is going around your people. No evil will come near their dwelling place. Let God arise and every enemy be scattered from their homes, from their minds, their bodies, their families, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for perfect peace. Lord, we ask you this year for household salvation. Let our loved ones come into the kingdom of God. Let our friends and family members come into the kingdom of God in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for what you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Let, let families be restored. I pray in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Relationships that have broken apart, where there's strife, where there's stress, where there's, uh, there are problems, it seems like obstacles, no peace just constant fighting, bickering, Lord, restore relationships, bring husbands and wives back together, bring children back to their parents, grandchildren back into the kingdom. Let this be a year that we lift our hands and declare as for me and my house, we serve the Lord in Jesus name. We thank you for that. And we give you praise in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> throw some hands up, throw some fire up and, uh, Let me know you're standing with me by faith. Believe in God for answered prayer. Amen. We serve the only God, not only the only God that exists, but the only one that can answer prayer. Every other God is false. Every other God is the work of a man, the invention of a man. But our God, he is the only true and living God, the most high God. And he's not just willing to answer your prayers. He's able to answer your prayers. The Bible says now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. Amen. Amen. On this final day of August, I wanna challenge you to sow a seed by faith. Do something that takes faith to do. Whatever that looks like for you. But on this final day of August, get some seed in the ground you're believing for the best final four months you've ever seen in your life, start by putting a seed in the ground that will bring back the harvest you're believing for. That's what you need to do. You know, people, people. I know, I know, Bonnie, time is flying. Said last day of August, wow. Tomorrow we're crossing over into September and we're gonna be in the final four months of this year and believing that it's gonna be the greatest four months we've ever seen in any year. We're closing this year strong. We're closing this year strong in Jesus' mighty name. And let me tell you, there's people that are believing for big things. They're believing for big things. But let me tell you, it takes a seed. It takes a faith-filled seed to see the harvest you're believing for. It's impossible to have harvest without seed. It's impossible to go higher. It's impossible. You can't have the resources that you need to accomplish your purpose without sowing seed. That's why my wife and I, we don't wait. We don't wait and do it once a month, once a week. We're sowing all the time and everywhere we can get our our seed. Good ground, constantly. And my prayer continues to be the same. Lord, give me the biggest seeds I've ever sown this year. In Jesus' name, let me sow more cumulatively than I ever have in the history of my life. But also, Lord, let me sow the largest one-time seeds that I've ever sown. In Jesus mighty name, let that be your prayer because he gives seed to the sower, the Bible says, and he gives bread to the eater. And so, and thank you, Shavonica, for sowing a seed. You can go to miracleword.com and uh, sow your seed there. And let me say, thank you, Chad, for those of you that are sowing, this is the final day that we're offering this uh, from Pastor Mark Hankins, the bloodline of a champion, the power of the blood of Jesus. This will bless you. This will bless you the blood of Jesus. So powerful. And uh, we're going to give this to you as a gift to say thank you for standing with us in the month of August. If you'd like to get it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and you can fill out the form. We'll send it to you as soon as we can get it to you. And, um, And we thank you for sowing your seed. On top of that, For those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're gonna include the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translator's notes, which will help you immensely, immensely. Amen. I believe with you, Heather. I believe God's putting seed in your hand in Jesus' name. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Your children, your family, and I say thank you. You know, we're now on television in 180 some nations of the world. We're preaching, people are being saved every single week we're in crusades live multimedia feeding the hungry there's so many things we're doing so i want to i want to challenge you to partner with this ministry go to miracleword.com click the partner page and see all that we're doing and stand with us and then of course we want to see you uh those of you that have signed up we want to see you and we're going to continue to do these things but uh at the partner banquet coming up the homecoming i am so excited for this i can't even tell you october 28th and 29th this is a friday and a saturday we're all coming together. We have over 150 people that are, are going to come and be a part of this. Uh, it's going to be great. And then we're going to share some inside news with you, some very, very exciting things coming up. So we want to see you there. And we're going to we're gonna spend more time with, with you guys here in the future. And I believe 2023, we're going to see you more than we ever have, because uh, I want to get together with you, hang out, share the vision, uh, just have dinner, spend time together, and tell about what God's doing in your life, my life. I wanna see you, and so we're gonna make plans to do that, but I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you guys. I love you very much. Uh, Thank you for spending time with me today. Again, we're here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, under the tent. If you'd like to join us, all the details are at miracleword.com on the schedule page. And so go check it out, get in a car, get here. It's been powerful. And we're here all the way through Sunday night at 7 p.m. It's it's gonna be great. I'll be back with you again tomorrow and uh, a Friday as well. Carolyn's back with you on the podcast today, 2 o'clock p.m. Do not miss it. She's going to be live from Miracle Word Studios in Coral Springs, Florida. Don't miss it. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.